when you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. Are you looking for a podcast that brings you all the latest news and analysis on the silver and black? Carr from under center, looks downfield, fires deep, complete, Waller's got it. How about interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast, part of the Vegas Sports Today podcast network. Now, your host, Evan Grote. Raider Nation, let's go and welcome back to Just Pod Baby. Hope everyone out there had a very happy Thanksgiving. The Raiders entered their three game losing streak with a thrilling overtime win at Dallas, right back into the playoff hunt at six and five. Currently, Sitting in the eighth spot in the AFC Conference playoff picture. There's a bunch of teams in the mix. It's going to be a wild finish to the season. Only six games left remaining on the schedule as we enter the month of December. This week, the Raiders welcome in the Washington football team. Like the Raiders, they are fighting to keep their playoff hopes alive. At the moment, they are the seventh seed in the NFC with a 5-6 and six record. So not a game Raiders coaches, players, or fans should be overlooking at all. Don't overlook this Washington football team. The rundown for the show this week, going to hit on a couple different topics here tonight. I do want to take a close look at the AFC playoff picture as the calendar turns to December. Realistically, outside of the seven teams who are currently uh, in the playoffs or who hold the playoff spot, there's at least five other teams who could who could make a run. Um, so I will take a look at some of the schedules of those teams and try to make some predictions here, give you some of my thoughts on that. I still have the Raiders as a 9-8 and football team. That was my prediction uh, at the beginning of the season. The question is, will nine wins be enough to sneak into the dance? We're going to take a look at that uh, a little bit later on. Also, the Raiders are dealing with some injuries right now. Uh, the two big ones, tight end Darren Waller and defensive end Carl Nassa, both suffered those injuries in the Thanksgiving game versus Dallas. It doesn't look like either one will play on Sunday, so we will discuss what that could mean uh, for the Raiders. And of course, we have to discuss the Week 13 matchup with the Washington football team. They are all big games for the Raiders from here on out, so they better come focused and ready to play complementary football because um, the football team, they have gotten themselves back together after a 2-6 and six start. They're on track. They've won three straight games um, and their defense right now in that win streak is only giving up 18 points a game. A defense who is led by a familiar face in Raider Nation, that's Jack Del Rio, of course. Uh, later in the show, we're going to be joined by Pete Haley, who covers the football team for NBC Sports Washington. We're going to get some of Pete's thoughts, see what's, uh, what has been going right for the football team during the three-game win streak and maybe some matchups that we should keep an eye on. Uh, in Sunday's game, but I do want to kick it off this evening with some news and notes from the week. I would like to say uh, that the big storyline this week is the injury to Darren Waller and what his status will be. It doesn't look very good at this moment. It comes at a very bad time for Las Vegas um, when, you know, at this point in the season, the margin of error is is so razor thin for teams. You want your best players out there and you want them healthy, but that does not appear, appear uh, that it will be the case for Darren Waller. He's dealing with a 
what's what's called a strained IT band in his knee. Um, you know, I did a little bit of reading on the injury. Um, so, um, I, I learned a little bit more about that injury and, and as far as the timetable, uh, to return, um, in, in his Monday press conference, Rich Basaccia called Waller week to week, but did, didn't rule out that he wouldn't play in the game. But again, that was Monday. Uh, we're a little bit later on in the week now. It doesn't look likely he did not practice Wednesday, uh, did not practice on Thursday. Um, so I would not be surprised to see Waller miss a game or two. Um, you know, it could come down to a, a pain tolerance sort of situation for him. If he wants to get out there, let's say next week against the Chiefs, uh, see if he can play through that type of pain. You know, we'll see. He's been relatively healthy throughout his time with the Raiders, so we haven't really had to see him uh, try to give it a go while playing hurt. Um, so it's going to be Foster Moreau, again, who who is the next man up, as they say. And, and, I, and I have to admit, I, I thought he was going to be um, a much bigger part of the offense this year. Uh, that has not uh, been the case. Uh, but he did fill in really well for Waller in Week 7 against the Eagles when when, when uh, Waller was out. Uh, Moreau had the uh, six reception, 60 yards, and a touchdown. Um, you know, he has it in him. We know that. He has the ability to step up and, and, and fill the void. Uh, they're going to need him to do it uh, with, with Waller not out there. So uh, Foster, Moreau, next man up. Um, other injury news, Carl Nassib, I mentioned, uh, he's dealing with a knee injury as well. He's considered week to week, according to the uh, interim head coach. And, you know, the loss of Nassib is not as significant uh, as as Waller. Uh, he has played well this season um, when his number's been called, but he's playing in only 29% of the snaps this year. So they're going to have to make do without him. Um, you, you might see um, – Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe might see a, a slight uptick in their snaps. Maybe they don't get the same amount of rest that they have seen throughout the season. Uh, it's also possible Cleveland Farrell might see some more snaps on the outside versus lining up on the inside. Uh, I, I do think that's probably what will happen. I also raised the question on Twitter earlier in the week, might this finally be the week we see 2021 third-round draft pick Malcolm Coons? Um who's been inactive all season long. And and we heard, uh, I, I believe it was Mayock uh, just a couple of weeks ago, who said we should start to see more of Malcolm Kuntz. I mean, we haven't seen any of him to this point. And uh, it's a little disappointing, I, I have to say. We knew he was more of a project player. Uh, but this is a third-round draft pick we're talking about, a, a, a guy, a kid who has not played a snap all year. And, um, you know, part of the reason is because of how good uh, Crosby and Ngakwe have been, so um, maybe the, the the issue has been overlooked a bit, but I don't think it should be. I don't think Mayock should be let off the hook for the, for the pick. Um, he has not gotten it done in round three over the uh, past couple of years, and uh, who knows what the future holds for, for Malcolm Kuntz at this point. He could turn out to be a really, really good player, really productive player, but to this point, zero snaps through 13 games for a third-round pick seems like a um, you know, a bad selection uh, at this point, but I'm not going to uh, judge the player based on you know 13 games. Um, Nick Kwiatkowski and Keyshawn Nixon both returned to practice this week as well, both contributors on special teams. Um, really nothing more than that. Depth pieces um, you know, at their positions, linebacker and cornerback. It doesn't sound like Trayvon Mullen uh, is ready to come back yet. Still a week or two away, it sounds like, based on what Rich Basaccia had to say. And Nicholas Morrow, you know, a guy who was, um, 
you know, looking like a real promising player here after last season, uh, still on the shelf with, with the injury. Um, I would not be surprised if we don't see him again this year. I'm just not confident based on what I heard from um, from the coach. Um, so that is the injury update for you heading into week 13. In some other news this week, Daniel Carlson was named AFC Special Teams Player of the Week for the second time this year. So congratulations to him. What a performance by him on the uh, in the Dallas game, going 5-for-5, five five, including the game winner in overtime, and he hit that bomb uh, at the end of the fourth quarter, 56-yard bomb that put the Raiders up uh, 33-30. What a, what a kick that was. A lot of pressure on him there to make that kick because if he misses that kick from 56 yards out, the Cowboys are taking over with a very short field with a minute 56 left on the clock, so who knows uh, what could have happened had he not made that kick. But he was clutched there. Uh, and he also made three extra points in the game, so 18 points uh, in the game for him. And while I'm on the topic of of kickers and special teams, how about A.J. Cole as well? I mean, he leads the NFL right now in average yards per punt with 52, uh, excuse me, 51.2 yards per kick and is fourth in punts um, inside the 20-yard line. Uh, so those two have been very good for the Raiders. They were both, um, A.J. Cole was an undrafted free agent, so that's a good find there, and Daniel Carlson was was cut by the Vikings and was brought in as a free agent. So two good finds there uh, by the by the general manager and scouting department there. So I got to give him some kudos for that. Uh, and also, I have to mention Trent Sieg, the long snapper. He was placed on the COVID nineteen list this week, so he will not be available um, for the game this week versus the Washington football team. But kudos to the kickers. They've done an excellent job for this team. Special teams has definitely been a strength um, uh, of the team this year. So that is the news and notes from the week. And now I want to move into the next topic um, that I want to get to here before we take our first break, and that is the AFC playoff picture. With the win over Dallas, the Raiders... Um, they kept their playoff hopes alive. I mean, think about this. Think about had they lost that game, they'd be looking at a 5-6 and six record right now, and uh, f- that would be four losses in a row, and, and, and really would be um, really tough at this point, I believe, to, to make the playoffs. Uh, but that is not the case. Um, they got the job done, and they're still in the hunt. As I said earlier at the top of the show, the eighth seed with six games remaining. It's 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 fascinating, really, when you look at the remaining games on the schedule uh, for the Raiders. After Washington, you have five AFC matchups against teams who are either currently in the playoff picture or also very much in the hunt. So these are big, big games for the Raiders. And and to me, again, I'm not going to use the word must-win games, but it kind of feels like the playoffs start this week for the Raiders. So that, to me, is the type of mindset that this team needs to have the remainder of the season. It's win or go home. These games are so meaningful. And if you have not looked at the playoff picture recently, uh, this is what it looks like. You have the three eight-win teams atop of the the seedings with Baltimore Ravens, New England Patriots, and the Tennessee Titans, all with eight wins. All three of those teams, they're locks to make the playoffs, in my opinion, in, um, you know, at this point, pending a complete meltdown and... I don't see that happening. Uh, I guess perhaps Tennessee because they've got so many uh, injuries right now. Uh, Julio Jones is out. A.J. Brown, I believe, is injured. Derrick Henry, they're going to be without. 
uh, if uh, unless they you know make it to the playoffs, which I believe they will. But um, anyhow, then you have the three seven-win teams who are the four, five, and six seeds: Kansas City, Cincinnati, and Buffalo. And I know the Raiders are only one game back of the Chiefs right now, but I still believe this division, AFC West division, goes through Kansas City. And I think their schedule looks a little bit more favorable right now with two games remaining against Denver, one with Pittsburgh. Um, and and then don't forget the Raiders do play them in a in their second head-to-head matchup next week, but that game is an arrowhead. So I, I'd have to give the advantage to the Chiefs there. Um, Buffalo is a team that has been extremely inconsistent this year. They have not lived up to the expectations that uh, were set for them at the beginning of the season. And, and, um, but I, I still think they'll get in. Um, they did just lose uh, Tradarius uh, White, one of the top cornerbacks in the NFL. But they still have a very good defense, one of the better defenses in the league. And they have Josh Allen at quarterback who can you know, put that offense on his shoulders and, and win games by himself. That's why I feel he's a top five elite quarterback in this league. Um, so I expect them to either win that AFC East um, or fill one of the two, uh, one of the, the the three wild card spots. They do have two big head to head games coming up with New England that could tell us a lot about uh, who wins that division. Also, a game with Tampa Bay, which will be tough. But then they also see the Jets again, the Falcons, and the Panthers. So I could see the I could see Buffalo getting to ten wins at least, uh, maybe eleven if they can get a split with. New England. Now that brings us to the group that the Raiders are in, the six-win teams. You have the Chargers, the Raiders, the Broncos, and the Colts. And this is where it gets really, really interesting in the AFC. The Raiders, they're going to play each of those teams over the next six weeks. So they really, they control their own destiny. And that's what you want. That's all you can ask for at this point in the season is to be totally in control uh, and have everything that you want right there in front of you. They don't need to rely on help from other teams, not yet. If they can just take care of business and win some of these games and these key head-to-head matchups, things would look pretty good as far as the Raiders in the playoffs. Rounding out the top 12 teams in the AFC, according to seedings right now, you have Pittsburgh at 11 and then Cleveland at 12. I think Pittsburgh is dead. Um, Their schedule looks brutal right now. They've got two games remaining with Baltimore, a game with Minnesota, Tennessee, Kansas City, and then a division matchup with Cleveland. That's tough. So I think you could probably scratch them and, and write them off. And then you're left with Cleveland. I still think they have a pulse. Um, they've got a lot of injuries. The big one to the quarterback, Mayfield, he has not played that well. Um, they run the ball well. They've got the two, the two-headed monster at running back. They can get after the quarterback. But again, I see some tough games on the schedule for them with Baltimore at Green Bay. They've got a game with Cincinnati coming up, and not to mention that head-to-head game with the Raiders on December 18th. So what I'm getting at, what does all this mean? Well, I'm going to give you my prediction as I sit here on December 2nd. I think this is what I'm this is the way I see it playing out here. I think you get two teams from the AFC East. You're going to get Buffalo and New England. Both of those teams are going to be in the playoffs. You're going to get two teams from the AFC North as well. The Ravens are in. I'm going to say the Bengals. I'm going to say the Bengals get in. Take a look at their schedule. There are some tough games on that schedule, but I I I feel like this team is ready. They're ready. They're young. 
young head coach, young quarterback, young receiving core, but um, I like what I saw from them when they played the Raiders. The Titans from the South as that division winner, and then the Chiefs, uh, I believe, are going to take the, the, the West. Um, that's six teams, okay? You have one spot remaining now in the AFC. To me, it comes down to a three-team race for that final spot. You've got the Chargers, the Raiders, and the Colts. Now, some of you probably aren't going to like this, but I'm always pretty uh, objective. I'm a straight shooter. This is just the way I see it. My gut tells me right now it's going to be the Colts. Um, let's take a look, before I get into some of the reasoning, let's take a look at the Chargers schedule, okay? They played the Bengals this week, which will be a very good game, I think. That'll be a game I'm tuning into. Um, followed by the Giants and the Chiefs, Texans, Broncos, and then the Raiders. And that's going to be a big one, too. That that very well could determine who gets in here. That'll be a really fun game, should that be the case. It's hard to trust the Chargers, though, right now. I mean, we've seen this from the team from them in the past. They've been inconsistent, hence the 6-5 and five record. Early in the season, I thought they were going to be a, a major force, but they've been inconsistent. They have an explosive offense. When things are clicking, um, that can be a scary uh, matchup. But again, I just can't trust them. The Colts, and this is this is why I like the Colts. Their schedule looks like this. They got the Texans this week, then the Patriots, the Cardinals, the Raiders, and the Jaguars. And one of the things I really think benefits the Colts is that they're on a bye in Week 14. That really helps them to get a, to get a week off this late in the year to gear up to make that that playoff push there in the, in the final uh, few games of the season. Um, and then, you know, then the Raiders. Um, the Raiders, you look at their schedule, you have the football team this week in Arrowhead next week in Cleveland, both going to be two cold-weather games. Um, say what you want about Derek Carr and cold-weather games. Um, he's had some issues. He did play well in Cleveland last year. I know I was at that game. Um, Denver, the Colts, and the Chargers. So, um, you know, a pretty tough schedule for the Raiders there as well. And I, I just think that the Colts... The reason why I believe I think it'll be the Colts at the end is because they're playing the best football right now of any of those three teams. Um, they play better defense, I feel. They run the ball better. They have uh, Jonathan Taylor, who is is you know one of the top candidates, I'd say, for uh, league MVP right now. I think their schedule is a little bit easier, if you ask me. And then you throw in the bye week in week 14, and I think that gives them the advantage. So I, I do think the Raiders will will go three and three here to end the season to get to nine and eight, as I predicted. But will the nine wins be enough? And you know, if it comes down to a tiebreaker scenario with either the Chargers, who have the first head-to-head matchup, okay, so the Raiders are going to need to split with them, and then that that game with the Colts could be a huge, huge game if all these teams end up with nine wins. Uh, it could be a race of ten. You know, whichever one of these six teams can get to 10 probably will, will, will get in. Uh, but again, uh, you know, that would that would mean the Raiders and the Chargers would have to go four and two. And the Colts, with only five games remaining, would have to win four of the next five to get to 10 wins. So uh, it may be more likely that you see these teams, you know, get to the nine-win nine mark, and then the head-to-head comes into play. Either way, you look at it, <laughs> this finish to the season is going to be wild, and all these games are meaningful football games. So I'm really excited to see how it all plays out. But it is time for me to get to a break. 
when I return, we're going to dive into the Washington football team. We're going to take a look at some stats that I dug up, okay, uh, about the Washington football team and their defense and some of the things that they're doing well on offense following the bye week that got their uh, their three-game win streak jump-started. And, of course, don't forget our guest, Pete Haley, coming up from NBC Sports Washington. You don't want to miss any of it. You are listening to Just Pod Baby, part of the Vegas Sports Today Podcast Network. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. And welcome back. Week 13, Just Pod Baby. We are talking Raiders football as we do each and every week of the podcast. Bringing you back in with a little Frank Sinatra. Listen, it's the month of December, so we got to start getting you guys geared up for the holiday season and what better way than to listen to a little Frank Sinatra Christmas music but I am glad to have you back here with me this week uh, once again and now it's time to begin previewing the Washington football team and for them uh, they have a record of five and six right now one game below 500 but they hold the playoff spot right now in the NFC and they got off to a terrible start at two and six going into the season they were expected to have one of the better defenses in the NFL but they struggled badly and, and things really hit rock bottom from them uh, when they lost four straight games uh, and, and their season looked like it was all but over but then came the bye week and, and credit to Ron Rivera Riverboat Ron. Uh, he took a look at his team, and they did some of that self-scouting that we hear about all the time with these coaches, and they made some changes. And, and those changes have really paid dividends for this team because they have gotten their season uh, uh, back on track with three consecutive wins. Now, I was doing some digging into the football team to see you know, what has been the big difference in the three-game win streak versus the previous eight games for them. Um, and, and to me, what stood out uh, immediately was their commitment to running the football. And it's been effective for not only the offense, but it's also limited the ex- the exposure um, to the defense. And, and I told you that I had some stats for you. Here's one right here. During the three-game win streak, they have averaged 39 rush attempts a game for 145 yards compared to just 24 attempts for 133 yards in the previous three games. So they're really... Um, They've really, as I said, committed to running the football. And, um, you know, it, not only has that allowed the offense to control the pace of the game and dominate the time of possession, in turn, it's protected their defense uh, by by uh, keeping them off the field, right? By not exposing them. And it's also kept them a little bit fresher so they could be more effective in the time that they are out there on the field. Um, and, and to that point, here's another stat for you. The Washington defense in the three-game win streak, has has um, has played only 21 minutes a game. And that's the lowest rate in the NFL, um, and they're allowing only 18 points a game in that time as well. So think about that. 21 minutes a game um, they've been on the field. That's not very much when you look at time of possession. And, and this was one of the worst defenses in the NFL that we're talking about here uh, during the first few weeks of the season. So it's been a really big turnaround for them. And the secondary has also improved for their defense. Um, 
since week eight, they've allowed no more than 233 yards passing to any game or any quarterback, I should say, or in any game. And, and um, as far as their run defense is concerned, they ranked fourth uh, in the NFL. I believe it's 92 yards a game that they're allowing. So um, finally, this defense is, is uh, living up to the hype that uh, you know was expected of them. Uh, going into the season, uh, but again, I think it's mostly in part to a more effective ball control style offense, um, and, and and a few other tweaks to the personnel uh, that that they made, the coaches made, Jack Del Rio and and, and Riverboat Ron there, um, and that is something that we'll get into a little bit more with our guest Pete Haley. He could probably give us a little bit more insight onto the uh, the personnel changes that were made. Uh, now, as far as their offense is concerned, they do have some weapons. Um, Antonio Gibson is their, um, you know, their marquee player. He's their running back, and you know he's been dealing with a a uh, kind of a chronic uh, shin issue this year. I, I have him on one of my fantasy teams, so uh, he hasn't been as effective as as they they expected him to be coming into the season. Uh, but he's playing uh, well now, uh, especially this past week uh, against the, the Seahawks on Monday Night Football. He had a really big game where he had uh, 36 touches, uh, seven receptions, and 29 carries over 100 yards. Um, they they um, complement him with with the pass catching back J D McKissick, um, who who has done a very good job this season as well, coming off a two touchdown performance against the Seahawks. But he did suffer an injury in that game, a head injury, and he's been a DNP this week at practice dealing with. Uh, you know, the symptoms of that concussion. He's in the protocol right now, so um, it, it appears that his uh, his uh, status for this game is, is doubtful. Um, and then the pass catchers on the outside, uh, a couple guys I'm sure you've heard of, Terry McLaurin is having a very good season, um, as well as Curtis Samuel, who's back in the lineup after missing some time uh, with a groin injury. And they also got their tight end back uh, last week, Logan Thomas, who I believe is one of the more underrated tight ends in the game. He's a pretty good player that you just don't hear a whole lot about. Um, and then the one other thing about the offense that I want to mention is the quarterback, Taylor Heineke. He's not really a household name. He's not one of your um, big-name quarterbacks in this league, and he was the backup to Ryan Fitzpatrick going into the season, but Fitzpatrick has been lost for the year with a an injury. Um you know, Heineke's not gonna, he's not real flashy. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't have the greatest arm strength in the world. He, he cannot make all the throws as they say, but, uh, one of the things that he does do very well is he's protected the ball better as of late. And, um, He's not afraid to run the ball. He he has the ability to use his legs. He's had multiple games of 40-plus yards on the ground, including one game of 90-plus uh, yards. So he can move, and he is not afraid to, to run the ball as the quarterback. So the Raiders have to make sure that you know I, they try to contain him, keep him in the pocket, and on those third-down situations, when they get pressure on him, they cannot allow him to run and scramble uh, for first down. So, uh, let's now, let's, let's, let's say hello. I'll go out to the guest line, say hello to our guest this week, Pete Haley of NBC sports, Washington. You can follow Pete on Twitter at Pete Haley, NBCS. Uh, Pete really looking forward to the conversation, uh, both the Raiders and the football team in the thick of the playoff hunt in their respective conferences. So it should make for a really fun game on Sunday. Thanks for the time this evening and welcome to just pod baby. Oh, very happy to be here. And yes, this is a game that from the Washington perspective, at least looked like it might be meaningless just a few short weeks ago but now it means quite a bit and I am relieved that that is the case yeah you know Pete they've really turned things around and it looks like the bye week 
for Washington did them wonders. You know, leading up to the bye week, they had lost four straight games. And, and since that time, they've gotten hot now with three games, three-game winning streak. And, and you know, this all comes without their two-star defensive ends, Montez Sweat and Chase Young. But they really uh, they really seem to tighten things up, uh, righted, the, righted the ship, so to speak, uh, on both sides of the ball. And I think a big part of the turnaround has been their commitment to the run, which has helped in all areas. And when you look at the matchup this week versus the Raiders, who give up a healthy 126 yards uh, a game on the ground, uh, this is a trend that I would expect to continue. What's your take on that and, and the football team's commitment to the run in the past three weeks? Yeah, I think it's one of the things they self-scouted over the bye week and saw that, hey, we're running the ball well, but we aren't doing it enough. And part of that is because they were falling in such big holes early on, having big deficits in games against the Saints and the Bills because their defense wasn't playing well. And then Taylor Heineke would cross and throw interceptions and just got them into situations where running the ball wasn't really smart. But since the bye, a bunch of things have improved, including Heineke's ball security, including the defense, most notably the secondary. They aren't giving up nearly as many deep passes. So those things have led Washington to uh, closer games, especially at the start, which has allowed them to continue to hand the ball off to Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick, and let this offensive line work. So it's a new formula they found the past three weeks. It's old-fashioned. It's not the most uh, sexy, but it's certainly effective, and I would expect it to be something they put in their suitcases and bring out to Allegiant Stadium because – They like Heineke in that 25 to 32 pass attempt range. And that means he's turning the ball and handing it off, turning around and handing the ball off plenty to his talented running backs. And I think Scott Turner is going to do everything in his power to make sure that's the plan yet again. Now, how much of the commitment to the run is also a bit of a product of Antonio Gibson's health? I know he has dealt with a a nagging injury. I believe it was to the shin uh, this Mm -hmm. season. That's kind of limited his touches at times. Uh, but during the three-game win streak, he has averaged 24 rush attempts a game. Do you have any concerns uh, with Gibson this week coming off a season-high 29 carries on Monday Night Football versus the Seahawks, back at it on a short week versus Las Vegas? I could say there's certainly some concern, especially if J.D. McKissick is unable to play. He's their do-it-all third-down running back who also has some uh, reps on first and second down. He's currently dealing with a concussion that he suffered on Monday, but at the same time, Gibson... His shin has been pesky all year, but he said at the Denver game going into the bye week, it was the best he felt. Then he had the bye week, able to rest it up a little bit more. And they're smart with him in practice. They don't ask him to do a whole lot. So it is an injury that won't heal until he's able to address it in the offseason. But we haven't heard him talk about it, bring it up nearly as much in the past few games. So I think that's definitely a reason why they're running it more is because he's healthier. And he's a young guy. He's only in his second season. And they've wanted to make him their own version of Christian McCaffrey. This Carolina staff has mentioned McCaffrey's name when talking about Gibson. And last week was really the first time we saw it wholeheartedly. 29 carries, 7 catches for a grand total of 36 touches. I could see him being in the neighborhood of 25 to 30 yet again because he's multi-talented. And he gets better as the game gets on. He delivers blows, he runs people over, and he wears down a defense. So unless that shin pops up out of nowhere and really ails him, I'd expect him to be super involved uh, on Sunday. You brought up J.D. Uh, McKissick, and I, I did want to ask you about him. I know he uh, did not practice uh, this week with, with the concussion. Um, you know, are, what, what are you hearing about as far as the expectations for him? I know he's in the protocol, um, and, and if he can't 
give it a go. Uh, you know, what, what would the offense look like? Who would be the next man up as that pass catching, uh, you know, r- running back out of the backfield? One of Ron Rivera's least favorite things to do is discuss injuries, and especially when that injury is a concussion, he just loves to stiff arm any inquiry about a player's health. So McKissick, it really is hard to tell. Now, after the game on Sunday, his agent tweeted out that he was okay. McKissick then tweeted out on Tuesday that he was fine, but we all know concussions can be dicey. Their symptoms can come and go, so it might be something that's um, sort of become an issue for him lately. I really don't have a great read on whether he'll play, but if he doesn't, they have an undrafted running back from Buffalo, Jarrett Patterson, who would be the next in line. He, uh, I don't know if your listeners know this, you know this, he had eight touchdowns in a game last year for Buffalo. He's very short but very stout, and he's gotten some limited reps here in the season and has shown to be pretty good. He uh, doesn't go down very easily. He's not exactly a speedster, but in between the tackles, he's able to hold his own. So I'd imagine it'd be a lot of Gibson, a little bit of Patterson, and they've also gotten Curtis Samuel back from his longstanding groin injury. He's someone who had carries last year in Carolina, more than 40 carries. So they could get him involved on jet sweeps and maybe even line him up in the backfield. But that might be something they want to do later on down the line, considering he is still uh, on a bit of a pitch count after the groin issue. We are talking to Pete Haley of NBC Sports Washington this week on Just Pod Baby, getting you geared up for Sunday's game at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, you know, I want to ask you about uh, Taylor Heineke. You, you mentioned, you know, they kind of want to limit him a little bit to the 25 to 32 uh, attempts range. You know, he was not supposed to be the starting quarterback going into this season, but he was kind of put into that role when Ryan Fitzpatrick was, was hurt early in the season. And, you know, he's had some flashes, I think, Heineke, uh, some moments when he's looked pretty good. Now, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here with this question, but um, let, let's let's speak hypothetically. Should should he lead uh, the Washington into the playoffs? Uh, what do you think the plan would be with him? Uh, you know, next year uh, has there been any rumblings with what the plan might be at quarterback? Uh, you know, for Washington going forward. It's insane to say this, but he would certainly be in the picture, and I would project him to be the favorite to start. Now, maybe if they're in the playoffs, they're going to be picking in the high teens, low twenties. So who knows what kind of quarterback prospect is there at that time. Maybe they want to trade up. I wouldn't rule them out drafting a first-round quarterback, a second-round quarterback, to pair him with Heineke and have Heineke be the the bridge until that young guy is ready. But a couple weeks ago, this area was ready for Kyle Allen to be starting, and now Heineke is the toast of the town again, and for good reason. He's really easy to root for, but he's also just playing so much better. He's not forcing the issue. He's taking the underneath checkdowns when it's time to. He's formed a really nice connection with Terry McLaurin. As I mentioned, he's got Curtis Samuel back. He's also got Logan Thomas back. He has just completely flipped the script, uh, changed all the discussions about him. He's got his fair share of backers in Washington, and I'm one of them. I I love what he does, and I think he's certainly going to be on this team for years to come. Whether he's the ultimate sort of franchise starter, I'll feel a lot better answering that after I see him play these last handful of games here to see if he can really string together two months of quality football as opposed to three games in a row. But There's a couple uh, weeks ago, like I said, where I didn't think he could even do a few weeks. So he continues to get better. He's still so inexperienced. This is going to be, I think, his 13th pro start, and he's growing rapidly. So Heineke will definitely be in the quarterback room next year, and I would not be shocked at all if he's the starter in week one. Yeah, you know, and he he gave him a chance last year in that playoff game uh, against Tampa Bay as well, when where they lost thirty one twenty three. That he at least gave him a chance to stay in the game. But I, I do want to jump over to the defense now. 
Uh, I was doing some research. During the, the football team's three-game win streak, their defense has been on the field for an average of 21 minutes a game, which is the lowest rate in the NFL uh, during that time, and they've only given up 18 points a game. Uh, it's it's a remarkable turnaround considering uh, you know, this was one of the worst defenses in the NFL just a few weeks ago, and, and as I said at the top, they've been doing it without their uh, – two key pass rushers, uh, Sweat and, and, and Chase Young, um, being on the field. Um, but, uh, you know, other than uh, being exposed a little a little bit less, being on the field less, uh, what other areas has this defense shown some improvements under defensive coordinator and former Raiders head coach uh, Jack Del Rio? Well, I appreciate that you've done your research, I can tell, and that always makes these conversations more fun. But for the defense, there's been some smaller adjustments uh, like, you know, player by player adjustments, the main one being changing up how Landon Collins is deployed. He was playing a lot of traditional safety early on in the year, getting burnt on deep balls, missing tackles, just looking completely out of place. And fans were desperate for anyone with a pulse to go in the lineup instead of him. But now they have him playing closer to the line of scrimmage, sometimes at linebacker, sometimes at safety, sometimes as a big nickel back. But whatever you want to call it, he is another guy who's just totally changed the way he's performing. He's now a, a big time difference maker. Now he hasn't practiced these two days here on Wednesday and Thursday. Hopefully he's good to go on Sunday uh, because he has been so useful and so aggressive. He's like a totally new player. Um, and then beyond that, I think the secondary gets a lot of credit. Like I said, they, they were getting just ripped off for deep shots over and over again. I actively hated watching them play for the first month and a half or so, but Kendall Fuller steadied himself. Other safeties like Cam Curl, who I think is one of the more underrated players in the NFL, has gotten on the field more. Bobby McCain's doing a decent job as the center fielder. And William Jackson, who they signed from Cincinnati to be a top corner, was a in a huge slump early, but has at least become solid as of late. And while there's some theorizing that Chase Young and Montez Sweat, two guys who have been criticized for not staying in their rush lanes enough, there's some people thinking that the defense is better because those guys are off the field. I wouldn't go that far. Those are two really talented first-round picks, but I do think the defensive line as a whole is playing more the way they're being coached as opposed to freelancing on the ends, and that's leading to just more opportunities for sacks and pressure. So it's, it's been all over the place. And also the offense's improved performance has made their job easier. But I, I just think Washington post by you can look at it almost like that recycling logo with all the arrows kind of pointing in a circle. It's the run game makes it easier on Heineke. Heineke makes it easier on the defense, and it just kind of all works together. Yeah, you know, you mentioned a, a guy that I wanted to ask you about because he's not really a household name, and that, that is Cam Curl. Um, you know, I'm mm-hmm. not real familiar with him, and I'm, and I'm assuming a lot of other of the listeners out there, Raider fans, are not familiar with him as well. But when I was researching, you know, Washington football team, his name is a name that kept popping up this weekend in the articles that I was reading. Uh, tell us about, you know, what kind of impact he, he makes on this defense back in the secondary. I could talk about Cam Curl for an hour and, and would still have more to go. He's a seventh-round pick in 2020 out of Arkansas. He was a cornerback slash safety, and this team loves versatile players all over the place. So he had a really good training camp. He was kind of popping up and uh, made a splash there in that first month, and slowly but surely was trusted to do more. And his two main strengths are his versatility. They had him covering Christian McCaffrey when they played the Panthers a couple weeks ago, and he had a really big fourth down stop on McCaffrey there late in the game, but he's also able to cover tight ends. Guys like 
uh, Rob Gronkowski or, or uh, Zach Ertz last year. I remember him having a really important interception on him in the season finale. He can cover big guys, quick guys, and he's also just so smart. Jack Rio told a story about how Curl, in his rookie offseason when we were all on Zoom, was standing out in those Zoom meetings for knowing all this stuff about the defense. And Del Rio is looking around like, how does this kid know everything so far? So I love Cam Curl. He's a very humble guy, but uh, he's, he's definitely seeing his stock increase at the end of Logan Thomas's press conference on Monday night. Logan randomly just said, hey, Cam Curl's a top five safety. You guys need to start talking about him. And I think uh, that's, that's burned a lot of interesting Cam Curl nationally. But locally, we've all known that he's been maybe one of the best draft picks this team has made in the past decade. Wow. Yeah, we'll keep a close eye on him. And, and you know, you mentioned that the, the, the secondary really tightening things up, not allowing big explosive plays. Since week eight, they have not allowed more than 233 yards passing in any game. So uh, that, that's pretty impress- impressive considering where they were, uh, you know, a few few weeks before that. But uh, thank you very much, Pete Haley. Uh, thanks for joining the show. I, I know the listeners uh, will appreciate your insight. I appreciate your time. Keep up the good work and, and happy holidays to you, my friend. Hey, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And when uh, the Raiders in Washington meet in the Super Bowl, you and I will chat again, I hope. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, take care. Thank you. Great stuff there from Pete Haley, NBC Sports, Washington. And you heard him talk about one of the big... uh, moves as far as uh, personnel or maybe scheme is concerned is moving Landon Collins up from his traditional spot as a deep back-end safety. They moved him up to more of a box safety role. He's a big physical player. He's very good at the point of attack, and they're taking advantage of that using him more as a linebacker, similar to how the Raiders are using Jonathan Abram, right? He likes to attack the ball, see ball hit, hit the ball, right? Get the ball. That's kind of how the Raiders are using Abram. Uh, but Collins, you know, one thing you got to keep in mind, he has yet to practice this week, um, and that would be a huge loss uh, for for Washington if he can't go. So keep your eye on two players over the weekend for them, J.D. McKissick on offense and Landon Collins um, on defense. Um, and, and one last thing before I say goodbye for this week, I do have an update to the injury report that I gave you in segment one for the Raiders. Trayvon Mullen, he did practice on Thursday. He's He has been out for a long time. Um, Rich Passaccia said at the beginning of the week that it looked like he might be another week away, but he, he did come back to practice on Thursday, so that's a great sign for him. Uh, whether or not he's active this week, I wouldn't count on it, but we'll have to wait and see. All right, guys, another show in the books. Enjoy your weekends. Follow me on Twitter at egroat 5 and subscribe to the podcast if you are not doing so already. Until next week, I am your host, Evan Grote. Thanks for tuning in, and as always, just win, baby.